Hi, it's Andy Tate. Welcome to Welcome to Paradise It Sucks, the podcast that recounts the worst vacation, holiday, and out-of-town adventures ever experienced by our poor, unfortunate listeners who are also very good at storytelling. You know how the stories go around here. Our subjects share a story of a bad trip, a terrible vacation, or something horrendous that took place when they were supposed to be relaxing and enjoying themselves. This week is somewhat different, and that the really bad thing that happened to our subject is not the person telling us their story, but what happened to that person's dad. It involves arctic temperatures, machismo, stubbornness, hidden fees, and oh yeah, the loss of extremities. In fact, the game is afoot, as they say. And the person telling us this tale is Rachel, who is now 36, but was 15 when she encountered the harsh realities of the Colorado Rockies. It's been 21 years since her family's ill-fated trek into the mountains, and her memory recounts an experience about her dad's dream to take his family into the wild and be as close to a John Denver song as one can get. So let's get on the chairlift and take a ride up the hill. It's Welcome to Paradise, It Sucks, Episode 17, Rocky Mountain, Bye Bye. Today, we're going to change your entire altitude. Our episode today concerns Rachel and the events that took place in mid-February 2002 at the height of winter. At the time, the world was still using flip phones, the internet was a dial-up modem, and Hot in Here by Nelly was the jam of the year. And that's probably what Rachel was listening to on her hit clips headphones when her dad announced that the family would be taking a vacation. My parents were interesting people. They both had been together since they met at a summer camp in Colorado Springs as teenagers, and they got married around 1985. They were pretty young, and my dad went to work at a local TV station where he helped produce some of the news stories. He was out driving around most nights in a van that sent signals from a massive satellite dish back to the newsroom. These were pre-Wi-Fi days, obviously. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, and we were not rich or poor. We were just middle class. So we took a few vacations, but they weren't ever far out of our hometown in Phoenix. In the winter of 2002, Rachel was a high school sophomore and was just starting to go out with friends. She started noticing that her dad was growing pretty bored with his job when they would get home and talk late at night. It was weird. I had a midnight curfew and my dad normally got home around the same time and we would start talking. He was frustrated that he was living his life in a news van every day, saying things like, man was not meant to be in a car all the time, things like that. He drank a few beers and would put on the musician John Denver, who I hated and thought was corny. He sang about leaving on jet planes and campfires and country roads. I hated it. But my dad would talk about how John Denver had life figured out and that the truest form of living is simply being one with nature. Then he would go off to bed and wake up the next day and complain about having to go drive around Phoenix again. One night, Rachel's dad gathered Rachel, her mom, and her younger brother in the living room and said that he was taking a week off from work and that he wanted to take the family on a vacation to the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. This was not a ski vacation, mind you. We could not afford that. My dad simply wanted to go to Aspen, where John Denver lived, and hike into the Rocky Mountains go camping, and experience what he called true beauty. 
He was singing that damn song, Rocky Mountain High, Colorado, over and over. He was so excited. He claimed we would be camping, making fires, grilling s'mores, things like that. He had this thing about being in nature and braving the elements. Rachel wasn't exactly thrilled. Um, yeah, all my friends were going to Mexico with their families, or like, L.A., and we were going to the Rocky Mountains? I hated it, especially since I grew up in Phoenix. I mean, it was 76 degrees in February in Phoenix. I didn't want to leave that for the freezing cold. I didn't even own a warm jacket. We had to borrow one from my friend's mom, which looked horrendous, by the way. And my dad's camping equipment was way out of date. He had some old tent that he said he used to camp in when he was younger, and we had four sleeping bags and a small stove. None of us thought this was a good idea. But Rachel's dad was determined to take his family to the Rockies. They got in his car and drove to Colorado, which, by the way, is an 11-hour drive from Phoenix. Of course, my dad wanted to drive the entire way in one day. My mom, my brother, and I begged him to stop, but he kept saying that the earlier we got there, the more time we would have. He wasn't about to waste $49 on a hotel room and spend one night of his vacation in a place like Yuba City, Arizona. So this was a long haul. We stopped to go to the bathroom, stuff like that, but my dad kept rushing us back into the car. He was on, like, a mission or something. We ate fast food and stopped for gas, and I basically spent the whole time with headphones on while my dad blasted John Denver for the entirety of the drive. It was painful. Eventually, they pulled into Aspen, but they had no hotel room booked or anything. Ugh. My dad said we couldn't afford a room in Aspen, so we were going to go camp under the stars. After like an 11-hour drive, the last thing I wanted to do was sleep on the ground outdoors. My mom sort of went with it because I think she was worried about upsetting my dad's dream, but it already felt like something bad was going to happen. Eventually, Rachel's mom started chiming in and said that she wouldn't go into the Rockies without proper food, toiletries, emergency flares, and things like that. We were grossly unprepared for this. I'm not sure what my dad was thinking by not getting that stuff back in Phoenix, but he must have thought there would be like a magical camping surplus store that would get us everything we needed. Instead, we ended up at an overpriced grocery store where we bought things like granola bars, cereal, and meat to cook. We got some backup propane and my mom insisted that we all buy another layer of warm clothing, especially since we were from Phoenix. None of us had warm clothes. I had some stretch pants, jeans, and a few pairs of socks. My brother had a ski bib and a sweater and my mom had an old coat. Rachel's dad was way less prepared. He had jeans and tennis shoes, a flannel, and a light jacket. Not a members only jacket, but close. My dad insisted that he had camped all through college and that he didn't need anything but what he was wearing. He claimed that the fire he was going to build was going to keep him warm enough. He had absolutely no idea how damn cold it really got at the base of a mountain. It was roughly 4.30 in the afternoon by the time they got to the Fall River entrance of Rocky Mountain National Park. My dad had no idea what he's doing. The first thing we do is meet a park ranger who asks us if we called ahead and got a camping permit. My dad says no. The ranger informs us that there is no way to camp without a permit. So my dad freaks out and we have to leave. We end up back in Aspen, but this time in a $120 a night hotel room. 
Aspen is not cheap. My dad was seething, but the rest of us were secretly thrilled, even though the shower ran out of hot water after six minutes. My mom was getting frustrated, and it just wasn't going the way my dad planned. Not only was Rachel's dad upset about having to get such an expensive hotel, but he then learned that he had to pay for a camping permit as well. It was cheaper back then, but it was a lot of money for my dad. He was on this trip about how humans should be able to go wherever they want to go and camp at no cost, blah, blah, blah. He was going off about freedom and all this stuff, but he still got the camping permit and woke us up the next day at 6 a.m. to go back to the park. They got to the base of the park again, and a different park ranger greeted them. He warned them that the weather had been extremely harsh that winter, and that the campgrounds, where they were going, did not have any drinking water. I was ready to leave. My dad said that we had plenty of water and that if we ran out, we would simply sip some from a fresh mountain stream. As far as the weather warning, he scoffed at it and said his typical dad comment, I've been camping for years, we'll be fine. But of course, nothing was fine. So we hiked up about a mile into the park and yeah, I get it, it's beautiful, but it was cold. I stopped to put on a second pair of socks. My brother and mom had bundled up too, but my dad was just ignoring the fact that it felt like we were on Hoth or something. I was looking for a tauntaun to slice open like Luke Skywalker to keep warm, and my dad just kept moving on. And of course, Rachel has to go to the bathroom. My dad basically told me to go behind a tree. I mean, I'm 15 years old and my parents are 10 yards away, and I'm trying to do my business in the freezing cold. My dad tossed me a roll of toilet paper, and I just, I couldn't do it. It was going to be a long few days. Eventually, they came to a clearing, and Rachel's dad started setting up the campsite. But there was another problem. The sleeping bag that my mom had had a broken zipper. It would not open up. At best, it could serve as a blanket, but it meant that one of us was going to be much colder than everyone else. I will give my dad credit here because he volunteered to use the busted sleeping bag himself. But he still thought this fire he was going to make would keep him warm. My dad was outside the tent just struggling with the fire, which he had no idea was illegal in the park unless they were contained in a designated picnic area in another part of the park that was miles away. Most of the wood we found was too wet to burn, and he was using an accelerant after a while to even get it going. Now the issue was that it set these huge smoke plumes into the sky. It looked cool, but it alerted the park rangers fairly quickly. Rachel's dad gets it going. It takes a while, but he eventually finds some dry wood and used enough lighter fluid to run a steamship. So he gets the fire going and it's actually quite nice. My brother and I went looking for sticks to make s'mores and my mom was warming her hands by the flames when suddenly that same park ranger from earlier shows up and busts us for making an illegal fire in a national park. So they have to put it out using a fire extinguisher and her dad receives a fine for violating a stage one fire restriction. The ranger hands my dad the citation ticket after we douse out the fire. My mom is pleading with the ranger saying, we had no idea. And he's telling us that the fire information was in the brochure and that we should have known better. My dad was defeated. He basically folded the citation and never mentioned to us how much the fine was for. But I know he wasn't happy. So now Rachel's dad had spent extra money on an expensive hotel room, permits, and an illegal fire. So at this point, there was only one thing left for him to do. 
he got hammered. He started drinking some Colorado beer that he bought, of course, and he started going off about how man was raised on fire. Who's to say you can't make a fire whenever he wanted to? Things like that. It was sort of funny to watch, but it was also somewhat sad. I mean, he had this dream of coming up here and embracing nature, but so far the elements were fighting with him. That night, everybody went to bed in the tent, but Rachel couldn't sleep. When my dad drinks, he snores like crazy, and it sounded like a bear was in her tent. <sighs> Amazingly, he popped up in a decent mood in the morning, but right when he went outside, he told us about a new problem. This is where he tells you that an animal ate your food, right? Some animal, maybe a raccoon or a badger. God, I hope it wasn't a bear or something. But some animal knocked over our cooler during the night and took about 75% of our food. All of the fruit, the s'more stuff, all that was left was some granola bars and a box of cereal. But we didn't have any milk because that had been ripped open. So my brother and I ate it with water, which as anyone who has ever had to eat cereal with water knows, sucks. So now they have no food and no fire, and it is absolutely freezing. But in these desperate times is when families can really bond together and work towards a common goal. Yeah, that didn't happen. Actually, my mom, myself, and my brother begged my dad to go back to Aspen. We had to do something because we were out of food and it was way colder without the fire. So then my dad said he needed to take a walk and clear his mind. When he came back, he demanded that we give it one more night. He said we have enough food to make it until morning. It was frustrating. He went off about how this vacation was the only thing that he'd been thinking about for months and that he wasn't going to let these little setbacks ruin it. I was like, little setbacks? And then the storm began heading their way. None of us knew that it was going to snow. There was no weather app back then, but over the course of like two hours, it got ungodly cold. It just got ungodly cold, like ridiculous. At that point, I had three or four layers on and multiple pairs of socks. My dad, of course, was still in his flannel and sneakers. And even though I could tell he was freezing, he wouldn't admit it. He kept rubbing his hands together, but he never complained, even though that was all that my mom, my brother, and myself were doing. But then Rachel noticed that other families who had been elsewhere in the park were starting to leave. I looked up and I see this other family that is all packed up. The dad is properly dressed and prepared for this type of trip, and he's guiding his two kids and his wife through the snowstorm, and he is smartly heading back to Aspen. I so wanted to go with him, but I knew it wasn't in the cards. It was only when my little brother slipped and hurt his shoulder that my dad let us leave. Rachel had never been happier to see her younger brother slip and fall. I know it sounds awful, but when he slipped, I was actually thrilled. He was crying and my mom was holding him and soothing him. And she finally looked at my dad and said, we're leaving. My brother's shoulder was pretty bruised. We just put some snow on it. And my dad stares at all of us with this deep look of disappointment on his face. He kisses me and my brother and helps us pack up our stuff. But he decides that he will not be joining us. He keeps the tent up and borrows one of the working sleeping bags and sends us back towards the entrance. He said something like, I have to do this for myself. Your dad was basically too stubborn to leave. If my brother hadn't gotten hurt, there's no doubt in my mind that we would have been forced to stay there another night. 
My brother and I still joke about it. We call it the fall that saved our lives. It's become like a family joke. So how did you guys get back to the park entrance by yourselves? Like I said, there were other families leaving too, and my mom stopped one of them because they said that we could all go together. They even gave my brother some gauze because, of course, we didn't have a family first aid kit with us. I ended up walking next to this girl who was around my age and from Denver on the way back. She told me that this was her worst family vacation too. So Rachel's dad has a tent, a sleeping bag, and some granola bars. And he's not dressed for a Colorado snowstorm. This can't end well. None of us were sure what my dad was thinking. I saw something in his eyes that made me realize that he was determined to at least get through one more night. But he also refused to borrow any of our extra clothing and said he would be fine and that he was just going to see us in the morning. He gave my mom the credit card and told us to go back to the $120 a night hotel, and that was that. At one point, I was wondering if we would ever see him again. But you did see him again, just not in the best circumstances. Yes, but first there was this. Basically, we went back to the park entrance with his family from Denver. They had a really nice hotel, like at the base of the Aspen ski slopes, and they invited us to have dinner with them. My mom explained our situation, and they were very nice and probably rich because they paid for the whole meal. My brother and I practically stuck our feet in the lobby fireplace to warm up, and we talked about how worried we were about Dad. And then there's like a blizzard warning on the TV news channel. People throughout the Aspen Basin were ordered to shelter in place. Meanwhile, Rachel's dad is out in the wilderness all alone. So my mom starts panicking. She hates that he was too stubborn to leave and all that, and so she calls the National Park and asks the rangers to go bring him in. The rangers agree to search for him, and we wait for like an hour before they call the hotel back. They tell us that they didn't find anyone. And of course, now we're all crying, and it's scary, you know? The other family offers to get us a room at the hotel. It's madness. So did your father get out of that blizzard? Basically, we get a call from the rangers about 20 minutes later, and they say that my dad has been rushed to the hospital. They found him at the campsite absolutely freezing to death, and they were worried about frostbite. Since we can't get to the hospital that night, we just have to wait out the storm. Luckily, this other family was very generous, so we went to the room and tried to relax, but it wasn't easy. The storm finally let up the next morning, and you guys found your dad, right? We got a call from the hospital the next morning. Of course, none of us slept because we were so worried about my dad. It was our first time staying in a five-star hotel, but we just paced and watched bad TV and ate snacks out of the minibar. Anyways, the hospital calls and says we can go see him. We get a ride over to the hospital and my dad is like purple. He looks like an icicle. They had regulated his body temperature with IVs and all that. And the doctor says that he has dysentery from drinking from a nearby stream that has recently been contaminated. He had no blood sugar in his body. And then they tell us this. He's going to be fine, but he is going to have to lose two of his toes due to frostbite. Talk about being kicked when you're down. Sorry, foot humor. Apparently, he almost lost three toes, but they found him just in time. And of course, he thought that drinking from some stream would be a good idea. But I guess there was some weird bacteria in that area that winter. So how long is your dad in the hospital? He's there another two days, and yes, they amputated two toes. It was pretty sad. We all felt bad for him, but we also knew that he should have left when we did. He didn't exactly like hearing about the nice hotel, especially because another person had paid for it. 
but he was just glad we were all safe. He apologized and we cried and slept in the hospital that night. I think at that point I had slept three hours and three nights. And then there was a billing issue. One I am all too familiar with when I stay at fancy hotels. One of the biggest mistakes a hotel guest can make if they're traveling on a budget. So unbeknownst to us, that nice family that got us the room at the five-star hotel did not put a credit card down for the incidentals. So my mom gets an email on her AOL account that she has to check on a nurse's computer at the hospital saying that we owe $218 in minibar food from the night before. $218. I had like a candy bar and two sodas. My brother had some like animal crackers and a lemonade and my mom had some mini booze bottles. That coupled with the price of the emergency room in Colorado and the operation set us back about two months of income. So did your dad finally realize that this was a mistake? Did he apologize? He was really quiet on the drive back. We all felt bad for him, but this time he let us stop at a hotel on the road. We watched a movie together in the room and he was sort of a different person. He did say that driving was hard with the amputated toes, so my mom took the wheel for a while. And my dad let us listen to our own music, no John Denver. In fact, I don't think I ever heard him play John Denver again. Reminds me of the line from Dumb and Dumber when they drive to Nebraska and they think that it's Aspen. And Jim Carrey says, that John Denver is full of shit, man. I've actually been back to Colorado since, and it was a really beautiful place. But the way my dad went about it was just all wrong. We never went camping again as a family. The crazy news is my dad eventually quit his job at the news station and began selling leather goods, like sandals for hiking. He did it pretty well and spent a lot more time outdoors up on Camelback Mountain and stuff like that, clearing his head. He actually still has a store in Phoenix to this day, but he's staying away from the cold for a while. So do you think this trip actually helped him quit his job and get into the leather goods business? Absolutely. He was a different person after that trip. He followed his leather goods dream and quit his job and was just a lot happier overall. We joke about that trip all the time. We've pulled up the stakes, the snow has melted, and there's a fresh sun on the rise over the Rockies. So let's go over some of Andy's travel tips. Tip number one, be prepared for the wild. Follow safety precautions, lock up your food, organize permits, dress warmly, and make sure you have emergency equipment. Having a cell phone is great, but oftentimes in those mountains, you won't have any service. Tip number two, don't eat or drink from the hotel minibar. We all know that the bag of chips looks delicious at one in the morning, but when that $24 charge appears the next day, you won't be happy. Tip number three, share the radio on a road trip. Too much of any type of music can drive your family mad, especially when it's John Denver. Everybody has their own taste, so let them all have a few spins.
Until next time, thanks for listening to Welcome to Paradise, It Sucks, and don't forget to write a review wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, follow me at Let's Not Meet Cast on Instagram for more updates on upcoming episodes, and check out my other shows, Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast and odd trails at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you've got a terrible vacation experience, we want to hear about it. It could form the basis of our next episode. Tell us about it. Please email us at welcome to paradise it sucks at gmail.com. Welcome to Paradise It Sucks is a collaboration between Cloud10 Media and Cryptic County. The executive producers are Andy Tate and Sim Sarna. The producers and writers are Zach Selwyn and Devin Ruskin. See you next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.